Hi, welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Hope everyone's enjoying their hot vax summer. But to do so, you also, you need to have gotten vaxxed. Plus, if you are, you can ditch your mask and inhale all of that unfiltered pollen in peace. Good for you. So whether you're tanning at the beach, tanning, or running from cicadas, uh, you've picked the right podcast to listen to because this week and every week, I'll be interviewing a special guest who I am a genuine fan of and who I promise will be an absolute delight from start to finish. I am joined by my producers, Adam Howard and Svea Baron reinstein So podcast gals, we're talking to fashion icon Tim Gunn today. I love him. So, okay, what's a clothing trend or a personal fashion choice you've made in the past that you super regret today and that you hope that uh, there's no photographic evidence of anywhere in the world? (laughs) Fashion choices. Mm -hmm. I feel like the early 2000s was a low point regardless of gender for everyone. (laughs) So I would say that, yeah, the early aughts, because I was in college and I I definitely wore a lot of stuff. There's a lot of photographic evidence of it. And it was like Mm. always ill-fitting very boxy stuff, very uh-huh. bl- no colors. My roommate used to tease me that I dressed like a communist because it was always like <laughs> grays and greens. And like, I just had no concept of like uh, maybe right. a yellow or like a pink or something. Right. So it really wasn't until like I, I started dating regularly that people had an influence on me and they were <laughs> like, you should wear a pair of pants that actually fit you. And it was like a mind blowing concept to me. Like a droopy, like a droopy wide. They were dad jeans, pant. but I didn't know that that they were like, but you in retrospect. A dad. <laughs> but I was far from Not being a, a dad. dad. Like 20 years removed from being a dad, but somehow I was already wearing dad jeans. So I, I feel like I, within the last five years, identified a couple of pairs of my husband's pants <laughs> that were holdovers from 15 years ago. <laughs> and I just went, D- you've got to, these are not, these are not acceptable pants anymore. You look like the neighbor on what's the Tim Allen show? Oh, home Improvement. <laughs> you look like the neighbor. On <laughs> Wilson, home improvement. the guy yes. through the fence. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, like they could just be, they didn't even need a lot. They just yeah. needed to be a more, just a slightly <laughs> I more I don't know what was going guy. on with men at that time that we all felt like we needed so much more room to operate. I'm not I sure. I don't know. It's like <laughs> everyone's just in there in Pearl Jam pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, what, what, what have you fallen a fashion victim to? Hmm. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound not the way I mean it to, but I I don't have a lot of regrets. I feel like wow. I'm very cautious. Fancy. I feel like I'm very cautious. <laughs> so like I'm I'm pretty pleased with what I've worn. I mm-hmm. but that's I feel like a recent thought because when I was very young, like four like three or four, mm-hmm. I would only wear my brother's old clothes. And so oh. I in high school I like you know, everyone would have like cute childhood photos and mine would be not cute, <laughs> like really That's cute, adorable. like flowery outfits. And I'd be wearing like slacks and <laughs> uh, I would, I had like a sport coat of his and a blue <laughs> clip on bow tie that I loved. Oh and so I God. wore that to my sister's bat mitzvah. And so I ruined a lot of other photos of people's <laughs> and I, I used to wish that I just had some like normal childhood looking photos. And now I actually really love them. Yeah. Because I think I look adorable. That's so And just cute. wore whatever I wanted. And my parents were totally happy to let me wear whatever I wanted. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. That is so goddamn cute. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have some, a lot of photographic evidence of a lot of bad outfits because when I started working at The Daily Show in 2003, they were like, and by the way, we don't buy wardrobes. You have to buy your own wardrobe. And I was like, what? And they were like, you have to buy your, like a suit or whatever you want to wear on camera. Like you have to, you just have to provide it and with no guidance from anyone. And so I having no like I was a really definitely a bad dresser going into that already so like being asked to buy a a television ready suit I didn't even know where to go like you know we had this like suit depot in Toronto that was like suits for people nothing with the word depot in it is gonna help you (laughs) get on tv suits for people yeah (laughs) yeah suit depot dress barn no so 
I went to the suit depot and they were like, here's a great suit. It's camel. And so I bought <laughs> my first offering was a brown suit mm. and I brought it to the studio in New York and they were like, you bought a fucking brown suit. <laughs> <laughs> you need a Tim Gunn. You bought a brown suit and it was horrendous. And so then I was like, oh my God, I panicked. Like everyone was like, you already, you kind of like started that job and everyone was like, you have to know how to do this job before you get here. Like <laughs> no one's going to help you. So um, I came with my brown suit and everyone was like, well, I definitely know you're not wearing that piece of shit because it, it really was awful. So then I went to Lord and Taylor and I was like, I need a blue suit. It's got to be blue. <laughs> and they sold me a suit that was so polyester. It was just like the worst <laughs> suit. It, the shape was fine, but the fabric was insanity. And so I went out with the first producer who's still a good friend and I love him. And he was like, he was like, I'm afraid. <laughs> he was like, I'm afraid if you wear that suit under the hot lights, it's going <laughs> to melt onto your skin and fuse <laughs> to your skin and you, you're going to die from it. And I was like, I got to get another suit. <laughs> and I had no money at all. I'd love to oh, see no. this montage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I didn't get, like, well, anyways, I got paid so poorly that I didn't have money for another. So I actually just didn't, couldn't afford another suit. So I had to go and get a third suit. <laughs> and I got a suit that basically like if you were a nun, you would wear. So I got a, like a nun's suit and I wore it with really chunky, like nun shoes. And that's on camera. And you can see that. Wow. You can see evidence of me dressing like, <laughs> like a woman who has, married Christ. <laughs> snazzy. Really snazzy. There's a whole lot of bad. It took me a, a, a few years, like a good solid five years to get a, a, a you know, a, an array of suits that were camera ready and absolutely no one cared. They were like, go on camera wearing whatever, but you definitely don't know how to dress. <laughs> oh, awful. Horrific. Okay. Oh, it was just actually even just talking about those suits made me sweat. We are going to take a quick break, but we have Tim Gunn coming up. <gasps> Joining me today is Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn has become a television and fashion icon thanks to his years as a mentor to fashion designers on the hit reality show Project Runway, which itself has spawned the hit spinoffs. Tim Gunn's Guide to Style and Under the Gun, and his latest show, Making the Cut, which debuted last year on Amazon and is about to air its second season. He's a best-selling author. He's an outspoken advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community and hopefully my new BFF. Oh my God, Tim Gunn, I'm so excited to be talking to you right now. Well, Samantha, not as excited as I am to be talking to you. Oh boy, <laughs> I am such a huge fan. I just think you are awesome. And you've done so much stuff for the show. And so I'm in total gratitude to you. And I have a lot of questions for you. Oh, I'm so thrilled. Should we, should we just dive right in? Should we Let's just go? dive in. Fan to fan. <laughs> fan to fan. Tell me, give me the straight goods before we get, because I do have a few fashion questions. Okay. And I hope that that's okay. Part I've of had what a we complete will and total fashion revolution of my own during this pandemic. So I oh my God, that. we have to talk about it. But first we have to talk about whether or not you truly feel that I have to give up my skinny jeans. I'm so upset. Can I tell you? Please do. Honesty, do not give them up. Thank you. People look so much better when their clothes fit them well. Don't and you think? Baggy jean, baggy pant trend. You know, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm really not cynical about it. I'm a pragmatist. Mm -hmm. It's fashion's pendulum. As soon as one thing is a big hit and the stores feel as, the, and the designers feel as though they, the audience has been exhausted, they mm -hmm. want us to buy something else. But right. I'm not getting on that baggy jean wagon at all. No. either. I don't want to. I don't oh. plan to. My daughter is 15 and she's very adamant. Not only does she not want me to ever wear skinny jeans, she's viscerally like disgusted by them. <laughs> like she finds them 
revolting. Like when I, cause I wear them on the show, I wear them on the yeah. show cause they look nice on camera. They're they do. fitting. They're not, they're just like a simple kind of a basic. Bottom. And you have a gorgeous figure. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. It's true. But, but when she sees those images, she's like, Oh my God, what? And then she herself is just wearing these ginormous pants. And she's like, do these come in like brown? And I'm like, what is happening? Just like, you just want to wear big brown pants. And she's like, and so should you. And I'm like, I can't. No. I mean, a I teen do can do that. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, teens can do almost anything. But as adults, yeah. you need to be concerned with silhouette, proportion, and fit. Because those three elements, when they're in harmony and balance, make us look great. When our clothes cascade away from us, mm-hmm. we look sloppy. Sloppy. Yeah. Sloppy. And the same goes, and I'm saying this controversially, about hair parts. We cannot all pull off a center hair part. No. It's not flattering to a normal human face. <laughs> Well, it's really not. And and in fact, your hair tells you where it wants to be parted and you have yes. to listen to it. Listen to your hair. Yeah. You don't all have perfect symmetry in a center part. Literally, if I do a simple center part, like a flip to a center part, I immediately look like a cackling witch from <laughs> Salem, from just like I'm about to brew some type of broth in a big cauldron you know it's terrible (laughs) i have to say a side part is more flattering to men and women yes um it just it simply is and it because when you have a center part it means everything else on your face has to be perfectly proportioned and symmetrical and for most of us that's not the case we cannot do this we cannot do this and i'm like teens you just haven't figured it out yet yeah. You just haven't figured out what's flattering on you and you kind of get away with it because your skin's so great. Well, watch out. Exactly. Wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not converting. <laughs> no, okay. no, please. No, no. Wave okay. that skinny jean flag. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for permission. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call upon this information later when I talk to when I talk to my daughter later today and she goes, What are you doing? I'm gonna go, excuse me. Let's talk about Tim Gunn. He's an expert. So please. <laughs> well, I want to tell you too, if you'd asked me for permission to wear baggy pants and mm-hmm. jeans, mm-hmm. they're pants, sure. I wouldn't have given it to you. I would have talked you out of it. Thank you. Ta- structure. Yeah. I know I'm 51 years old and I know that this body needs structure. Oh, well, at 67, I need even more. A shoulder. Something. <laughs> please. Something at the waist. God. <laughs> It's not an elastic waistband. No. Okay. Do you think that Donald Trump was wearing his pants backwards at that recent rally in North Carolina? What's your professional assessment? I have no doubt that everything he wears is backwards. Backwards. Just in fact, I'd like to like his jackets to be backwards. They'd be closer to a straight jacket, which is what he needs. That's nice. I like that. You should have had a matching jacket. Just but to I, put but the they, whole thing on backwards. They looked backwards. They did look backwards. I mean, they, I, I, I recognize that the zipper was in the front. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the joke wasn't on all of us and that it was a backward pair of pants with a zipper on the back. Very, very messed up. Very messed up. Probably too much conversation about it. Not well, surprising. And also talk about um, an unmade bed. He personifies <gasps> that. I mean, talk about sloppy dressing. And we want to look like that? No. All the money in the world can't no buy taste. you taste. Yeah. This is just, it's just a case in point right there. Okay. Absolutely. So tell me about your pandemic fashion journey. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm the suit mm-hmm. and tie guy. Yes. And when confined to my apartment for weeks and weeks, mm-hmm. I thought, I can't be dressing like this. This is ridiculous. So right. I started dressing for comfort. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this. I made a pact with myself that I wasn't yes. going to leave my apartment, even to go to the trash receptacle, uh-huh. unless I was properly dressed. And in the beginning, that meant wearing a shirt and tie and, and proper pants. Okay. Or, or to go down to the lobby to get the mail. Yep. But then <laughs> things begin to relax. And you think... You know, this is really comfortable. Now, I draw the line at wearing pajamas all day. No, I won't do that. Sure. But um, I'll, I'll wear relaxed, casual pants that mm-hmm. 
are not four sizes too big. They're mm-hmm. they're the size I should be wearing. Yeah. And I'm wearing shirts without a without a tie. I wore during the the colder weather. I wore a ton of, of turtlenecks because I love them. And they're dressed yeah. up, but you look polished. Yep. And and they're very comfortable. And uh, during this warmer weather, I'm wearing polo shirts. I did dress up for you, however. I see that. You've got a pocket square. You've got a nice structured jacket. Oh, you look great. Oh, <laughs> you look. You've got a tie on. Me. Oh, my. Well, I appreciate it, sir. I wore a, bl- I wore a buttoned up blouse. I just wore a, a, a nice white basic for you. because well, you always I, polished. I do try. I'm, I'm with you. I, I find that it erodes my sense of self. To I be. agree. Like it's it actually, I can honestly say that it is for me to be dressed. I feel l- less myself if I'm yeah. just wearing like athletic clothing all day. Oh. By the end of the day, I'm like, "Who are you? What is happening?" So I do listen. God only. There are some. Well, my whole staff has seen me on some zooms in some very questionable outfits that I should not have perpetrated on them. <laughs> but it's your staff, so they're family. They're family, but I have. I'm stepping. I'm stepping it up. I definitely. <laughs> well, now that things <laughs> back are to normal, up, we all need to step up. Yes. In yeah. fact, do you anticipate you know a kind of a pandemic unfurling of people's majesty in the fashion world in a kind of a roaring? 20s sort of way. Well, I hope so, Samantha. I'm mm-hmm. crossing my fingers that that, in, in fact, is what will happen mm-hmm. because this athleisure business is just right. beyond the pale. The only iteration of it that becomes worse is when it's really expensive. I, I saw a $1,400 pair of cashmere sweatpants. Are you out of your mind? Right. Spend $40 and give the balance to charity. That's like that's like very California dressing. Everybody in California, like you know, celebrities, they're always in like twenty five hundred dollar ripped sweaters. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I think it's vulgar. I really do. And and, right. and ways I have seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm with you on that. I don't. I don't love it. No. I don't love that trend. Well, um, before the pandemic, I I had a lunch. I don't know five or six years ago with a magazine editor mm-hmm. and. I arrived and was rather stunned. I don't have a good poker face, as you know. Mm-hmm. Stunned to see him wearing ripped jeans and a t-shirt. And he he looked at me and he said, they're Dior. And I thought, what difference does it make? It's jeans and a t-shirt. Jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. 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 My husband is very confused by that because he does feel like he he's he's very um like you know how the rainbow room I've actually never been to the rainbow room, but they have a jackets policy. Yes. And um, I think he's been there without me. That's nice. <laughs> and he was so appalled that they made him wear a jacket. And he was like, but I'm wearing such a nice, but my shirt is so nice. And these, my jeans are so pressed. And like, so So he's like, so you're making me put on like a blazer from your coat closet. That's gross and covering yeah. up this nice shirt. And probably d- didn't fit him. It didn't fit him, so now yeah. I do look sloppy. But I looked yeah. nice before. What? I I don't know how to feel about that. I think he's I think he's right, and I also think they have the right to make people wear sloppy jackets. Well, <laughs> your husband's definitely right to be offended by that. And right. to me, that policy just seems like such an anachronism. It I mean, does. I, I picture dinosaurs wandering around the rainbow. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's not relevant. And and I always yeah. say, you know, I, I actually really don't care how people dress, including all this athleisure. I don't care as long as they accept responsibility for mm-hmm. what they're wearing. So right. if you're coming to the rainbow room in ripped jeans and a t-shirt, which I know mm-hmm. your husband was not, but if you mm-hmm. were, all right, just accept responsibility for it. Right. And know that there are people who are going to judge. Period. Right. Yeah. Right. It is, yeah, it is an anachronism. We certainly, um, well, he was mortally wounded. But then again, he likes to wear hats at the dinner table. And he's like, why shouldn't I wear my hat? <laughs> and older gener- the older generation, like even my my parents are like, a hat? A hat while eating? <laughs> we didn't even, I didn't grow up in a household where we were, had any kind of, there was no formality in my household whatsoever. Like we just did, I just did not grow up that way. But still, if you wear a baseball cap and try to eat food in my family's, in their realm, they're so wounded by it. Well, but, but is it, a, is it gender related? Would, would they feel the same way if you were wearing the baseball hat? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure they would even notice. They don't, because when they look at me, they see a four-year-old. They don't see it like a woman. <laughs> so I don't know that, <laughs> you know, or they see like a 12-year-old who's just like really sullen. They can't see that I'm a <laughs> fully formed person. <laughs> All right. I've read that you used to walk to the Metropolitan Museum of Art every week. I did. It's very classy of you. You're a class act. Oh, I love that museum. I can't get enough oh, of it. Oh, God. What, what else are you looking forward to doing in the world now? Like, are you coming out of the pandemic? Are you, are you unfurling your wings? Are you allowing well, your wings to dry in the sun? I have to tell you, after I had the second vaccination, mm-hmm. I felt, psychologically, I felt vastly improved. Right. And that was back in March. And since things have been reopening and, and mask wearing outdoors isn't mandatory in, in New York, right? I'm still uneasy about it because if I'm outdoors, I'm going someplace. I'm going mm-hmm. to, to, to a store. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I have a destination and that mm-hmm. destination will require a mask. Oh, and also walking through the lobby of my apartment building, you need to have a mask. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that with baby steps, I'll get acclimated to this. It's been hard, though. I, I feel it's sort of like I, I always feel better when I'm overdressed rather than underdressed. Right. And I'd rather wear the mask and have people think, what's wrong with that silly old man wearing that mask? Maybe he hasn't been vaccinated. But I, I just feel it's more respectful to everyone. I think that we should practice acceptance of other people's mask behavior. As long as everybody's vaccinated, I really just don't. Like, I don't look at someone with a mask and may form, I I feel like I'm just not forming a judgment about anything they're doing. I just kind of understand that also there are lots of people who don't want to catch a cold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's true. Well, and I'm not judging people who wear masks because I'm one of them. Yeah, I wear wear it too. I have it always around my neck. And so I'm kind of like, it's down. It's uh, I I never know what to do with it. I haven't quite figured it out. for myself yet. It's, well, hopefully we won't have to. Hopefully we can discard them and not go back. It would be nice, but you know, it is such a useful tool. Yeah. Like I do feel like we there is much that we can prevent if, with just a little bit of strategic mask wearing. I agree. Like, really, really have enjoyed not getting a cold. Yeah. Do you receive the flu shot annually? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, I do. To not even be subject to, I mean, t- just to be free of sniffles and yeah, little stomach I'm, bugs so and stuff. That's so I have really to say, nice. it's my, my biological system. I always have the sniffles. Oh, you do? Okay, <laughs> so well, that's If fair. I don't, then there's something wrong. Something's terribly wrong. <laughs> I don't have the sniffles, no post-nasal drip. What's happening? I always have one of these with me, a, a pancreas. Oh, it's a must-have. So how did you film Making the Cut during the pandemic? What was that like? Well, we were all extremely apprehensive about it. Yes. Extremely careful Mm -hmm. and extremely lucky because we taped from roughly the middle of September to the end of the third week of October. Okay. And productions that began in November, the ones that I know about through my agent, they all shut down because of because of the of, of the virus and mm-hmm. we fortunately there were a hundred of us right we were covid free but we were on a very isolated ranch in malibu when i okay. first heard malibu i pictured the pounding surf and the gorgeous vistas mm-hmm. this was a canyon the closest town being 25 minutes away okay so we were very isolated and it really helped us right we did all of our fashion shows there and different venues and and really maximized what what the ranch had to offer. And so were you kind of was everyone staying in that area too? Like was it like a big compound where everyone well, was Well, it was also a big compound. There? It could accommodate a lot of us, but but all okay. of the crew was local. So okay. if they chose to, they could go home. Heidi went home most nights. Okay. But late because we mm-hmm. taped until very late. You know, there was another aspect of this I'll just share with you that people won't know about. Mm-hmm. We did all of our fashion shows at night, and people think, will probably think, oh, it's more dramatic. Well, no, the truth is mm-hmm. there was so much smoke from the fires <gasps> in Northern California oh. that just stayed around all the time that at night the cameras didn't pick it up. But wow. in the daytime, it looked like smog. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
that is very bad. Yeah. <laughs> that is bad. I couldn't believe that we had so much smoke from from fires that were so far away, hundreds of miles. Did you feel the effects of that when, when oh, you, yeah. as you were breathing that in? You must have had like a triple mask and an oxygen <laughs> mask and a tank, <laughs> like climbing Everest. You just got little, <laughs> little portable oxygen things in your backpack. <laughs> you know, the mission of Making the Cut is creating a, a the next global brand. Why yes. was it so important to you that it was a global brand? Well, the world's global today. You, right. you really can't isolate a region and say, well, it's only fashion for here. Well, you mm-hmm. could, but you're never going to make, you're never going to succeed right. in, a, in a way that's, that's impressive and, and really measurable. Mm-hmm. So by being a global brand, you need to wrap your brain around different audiences, right. the particulars of different regions and their cultures, and and design accordingly, which doesn't mean one size fits all or you have to address all of these needs as much as you have to have a very strong awareness of the differences and the similarities. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it's, it's the huge, huge benefit of working with Amazon and Amazon fashion because mm-hmm. they have customers in 200 countries and territories. Right. So right. they really, they do understand the, the demographics and they've been enormously helpful to us as a show. Do you see fashion moving in a more sustainable direction? As we're talking about the environment, as we're talking about yeah. fires and climate change, do you see that? Because boy, it is not something that I feel we pay enough attention to. We don't. And you know why? The customer doesn't care, or I should say most right. customers care. And quite frankly, sustainable fashion, generally speaking, is more expensive because the sourcing is more limited. Mm-hmm. And there are things that need to be improved. I mean, I used to to have a serious loathing for non-woven textiles, meaning man-made textiles. Okay. But they in the last 20 years, they've evolved so profoundly that you wouldn't know the difference between a, a, a man-made silk and a and a silkworm silk. Oh. And my feeling, well, so we still have the sourcing issue, which means it's more expensive. But right. in the area of, say, leather, it's got to get better. I mean, the fake leather just looks fake. Right. And you sweat in it in a yeah. different way. It's, it's, it's just impermeable. It's like wearing a rubber. It's like wearing a raincoat. Yeah, or a wetsuit. Yeah. Or a wetsuit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a a vinyl raincoat. (laughs) And it becomes a wetsuit, but inside. (laughs) On the inside, just you are slick. (laughs) How do we, I guess, how do we limit, I mean, we can talk about fast fashion, but the environmental impact of fast fashion is profound. Absolutely. What do we do about that? How do we, it's very difficult, and I think... You know, fast fashion is such a, I really don't have a fully formed thought about this, but it's such a difficult issue because I, I do understand that inexpensive fashion and and like leaping on a trend, it's something that's like very accessible and it's like really fun for people, but it does have a tremendous impact oh. on, you know, the working conditions in the in the sweatshops that are pushing out fast fashion, like tracing it back is is really um it, it's it's kind of jaw dropping it is i agree and i, I think the bigger issue well mm-hmm. uh deeply related issue mm-hmm. is consumer behavior right because people have a um this fervor for right. buying stuff right and many people including people i know Buy things so. Um, what's the what's the word I'm searching for? So, um, uh, like habitually, or just even like habitually. as a little like a, as a burst, as an energy yeah. burst, a little exactly. rush. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of that during the, during everyone's being shut in. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been buying things that I didn't buy before. Those polo shirts and those those turtlenecks <laughs> that, that I do think, but it, but it's a it's a Huge problem. And I, I look at Europe mm-hmm. where, well, and, and, and many Asian countries where people are so mindful and thoughtful about what it is that they're buying and how it will fit into the right. larger rubric of their wardrobe. They don't right. buy a lot of things. Right. Um, but we in this country just can't get enough. We are 
consumers here. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I know people who live in little New York apartments, even littler than mine, who have dress racks in their living room because their closets aren't big enough to, to, to contain right. all the stuff that they buy. Right. And I think, right. don't you think it's time to edit and take right. to Goodwill or Housing Works or some charitable organization? Mm-hmm. Give mm-hmm. these things away. You can sell them now. There yeah. are so many places where you can consign your yeah. unused, unwanted clothing. And it's just a great, if you don't want to just, okay, let's say you don't want to donate at all, but consigning it is consign it. Is a little adventure as well. Yeah. It gives you a little, gives you that little rush when someone yeah, buys absolutely. your sweater. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little ding. You get a little... <laughs> No, no, for some people, when someone buys that sweater, it means I should never, I should never have taken it to the consignment shop. Right, right. Like, (laughs) you can't have it. Now I want it back. That's not for you. Did you ever think that you would be in like reality television to this level? Like we've all like. Never. Never. Well, the first season of Project Runway. Yeah. I I was a consultant. I wasn't even right. a, supposed to be on the show. So the fact that this has happened and it all happened after I turned 50 mm-hmm. is such an incredible phenomenon. Incredible. I still pinch myself, Samantha. I still think I can't believe this. What was that like? So you were a behind the scenes, you were you were a consultant on that show. And when at what point did they say, wait a second? Hang on a second. You're really good on camera. Let's transition you. Like, would you like to track like what was that process like? I don't even think they thought that. I think, mm-hmm. well, I'll tell you what, what, what I think. They came to me the day before the designers were arriving. Okay. And said, would you be willing to go into the design studio mm-hmm. and ask the, the designers what they're doing? And I thought, well, that's how I've spent 29 years of my life. Right. Yeah, sure. And that first day when we were taping, I was very aware of the camera placement there was mm-hmm. a camera on the designer and there was a camera on me. And I thought, well, as long as I have the designer responding to my questions, no one needs to see me. No one needs to hear my voice. Mm-hmm. And I never saw a cut of the show until it premiered. <gasps> so I didn't even know whether I was actually in it. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> I, I, honestly. So I, I watched that first episode the way I used to watch The Wizard of Oz as a kid. Uh-huh. Under the bed sheets. and. <laughs> Every time I heard my voice, I'd pull the sheets back over me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe no one gave you a heads up. No. Well, it's so funny. Heidi and I were doing some some press, and she Mm -hmm. asked me, have you seen the show? Mm -hmm. And I said, "Um, no. Uh, And she was surprised that they hadn't sent it to me. I said, I I don't need to see it. Well, she was upset about it. But I didn't get into details about it. But she had seen it. So Okay. Okay. And the fact that we were doing press together gave me some indication that yes. I was probably in it. Oh my God, that's really funny. TV. But can you imagine this many years later? Here yes. and I are with this new show. It's actually making the cut is the show we've wanted to do for years. But because okay. of the success of the other show, mm-hmm. people wouldn't let it happen. It's like, we're, this isn't broken. We're not going to fix it. I see, I see. But um, Amazon, it's, they've just been most fantastic collaborators and partners. I honestly think that what makes these shows so incredible to watch, like for me, I don't, I don't watch reality television except for your shows because, and also I like, I do like Top Chef because I love to observe expertise. Yes. And process. Exactly. Creativity. Creativity. Yeah. It's incredible because these are things that, it's like watching just, well, it's like watching an artist create something. Agreed. And it's something that I don't have any hope of being able to do. Like, I don't know how to do these things. This is not my wheelhouse. And I love watching people be an expert. I, I absolutely agree. I'm in awe of the designers all the time. In I'm in awe. And also yes. the time frame. I mean, it's real. Yet yes. they, have to, they have to achieve this. I did not know this, but I read this about you and you can confirm if it's true that it was your idea to make the workday a finite amount of hours so that the designers weren't working through the night so that it wasn't like an endurance test to exactly. make the garment it was a skill That's test the, what, what you read is absolutely true it goes back to 2004 when i was mm-hmm. a consultant and i just said what you said this can't be an endurance test it can't be right. well who can stay up the latest and longest and 
it needs to be an even playing field where we open the design studio at a certain time and we close it at a certain time. I love that you did that. I love that you stepped in and offered that up because that to me feels like such a clever way to make a workplace work. It's so functional. There was another aspect in those early days mm-hmm. where I, I pushed back and that was that the producers had heard from a lot of people they were interviewing for for my position, my consultancy position, mm-hmm. they had heard that the designers shouldn't make the work, that there should be a sample room with seamstress what? and tailors and pattern drafters who would execute the work. And I said, unless the viewers see the designers getting real and metaphorical blood all over their hands, mm-hmm. who's going to believe this? I wouldn't. Wow. And furthermore, who does Heidi send home? I'd send home the pattern drafter. <laughs> yeah, I think part of the part of the joy of it is watching people make, you know, watching like the intricacies of the like the little stitch and all those little elements that make that makes it that makes it so special. Well, on making the cut, the designer mm-hmm. do have studio assistants mm-hmm. who are never on camera. Well, that's, I shouldn't say that. Season season one, they were on camera in one episode in Japan. Mm-hmm. But the point is that they're ideas are so ambitious that they couldn't possibly execute all of it in this time frame and their assistants are only to sew they're not to cut they're not to right. make patterns and the designers learn quickly that we're very serious about that mm-hmm. but it's really just a matter of having an extra set of hands as opposed to an extra creative process or a creative mm. head You've got a lot of good ideas. You got a lot of great ideas, Mr. Tim Gunn. Uh, well, thank you, Samantha. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very lucky that I can actually have people respond to some of them. A lot of people have seen you on TV for so many years now and felt seen. Who did you look to to feel seen? Did you ever feel represented in the media that you consumed when you were a young lad? Oh, God. It was dreadful. Just a wasteland. I, I mean, I, for me, the only people I could that, that, that I felt mm-hmm. a kinship for were people I didn't want to have a kinship for. The decorators in the Doris right. Day movies, Paul End on Bewitched, mm-hmm. Uncle Arthur, these flamboyant, rather exaggerated mm-hmm. characters. And I thought, well, that's not me. That's not who I am. And it, it just was... Yeah, it was a wasteland. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. How do you reconcile the fact that so many people enjoy and kind of co-opt LGBTQ culture, but still still actively would act against the people themselves, still don't accept LGBTQ people? Well, there's something that's, for me, that's so fundamental Mm -hmm. in in my inability to really understand it. I I just don't believe in treating people differently. Right. No matter who they are, what their beliefs are, Mm -hmm. even if you're a raving right-wing lunatic. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it goes back to what I, how I feel about people's fashion, just accept responsibility for your, for your decisions, for Mm -hmm. how you navigate the world and, and, and how you interact with your fellow human beings. I just believe in being, kind, thoughtful, respectful. And, and, and that respectfulness is for everyone else, but also for ourselves. Right. It's just, it, for me, it's just common decency. And I can't understand this bad behavior, though I have to tell you, you're, you're going to think I'm nuts, Samantha. Oh. I attribute mm-hmm. a lot of this rise in bad, and I'll call it unacceptable behavior, mm-hmm. to this erosion of how we dress. So this erosion of of really being well put together and presentable mm-hmm. to being an unmade bed. I mean, I just I, I think it, there's a correlation between that and mm-hmm. bad behavior. I like how you say that. I like I like I like referencing an unmade bed. <laughs> an unmade bed. <laughs> it really sums it up for me as a person who likes a made bed. Me too. I immediately First thing I do in the morning. Yeah. It immediately it says everything to me. That image. <laughs> <laughs> and would you want to bring anyone into your home to see your unmade bed? <gasps> yeah. Uh, exactly. No. No. So why would we want to present ourselves to the world as an unmade bed? Right. I mean, it's the semiotics of clothes. The clothes we wear send a message about how the world perceives us. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, God. Oh, I like the way you think. When you when you observe how, you know, how Republican 
lawmakers like latch on to the idea that, you know, like children's sports should be another, you know, another kind of a, a playground or another realm for them to like have a crusade against the LGBTQ community. How do you, how do you, how do you see that? Does you, do you have to turn your brain off sometimes? Do you actually, do you have to take a pause and just like walk away a little bit and go, this is so disgusting and this is so transparent. I do have to take a pause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I used to be glued to the newspaper and the, and right. the news all day, every day. And mm-hmm. now it's, I'm no, I'm not going anywhere near the New York times today. Forget about it. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if it's something that's really egregious that I need to know about, I figure mm-hmm. it's going to pop up somewhere in, in my right. computer world, but it's too much. It's just too much. And I also think that a lot of these, these Republican lawmakers are looking for distractions from the really serious. Of course, issues. of course. Yeah. Oh, no, it's repugnant, all of it. Repugnant. Ron DeSantis, like, cutting funding for mental health services for survivors of the Pulse nightclub shooting? Like, oh Mike, what is going, what is wrong with you? And I'm sure you you read or heard that Jacksonville, of all places, I was rather mm-hmm. shocked, lit up their big bridge in LGBTQ pride lights. And yeah. then DeSantis said, no, 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 you must not do this. He's really, he is really a piece of work. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Repugnant is. Repugnant. Repugnant. Unmade bed, unmade mind. I don't know. I love it. That's your next book. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. So let's talk a little bit more about the fashion industry because I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into it a little bit. I feel like I know a fair amount about fashion, but I don't, like in my life, I'm just sort of basic, maybe, maybe a little basic. But do you think that we've come so far, I think, from seeing one type of model, you know, when I was younger, like I looked at a fashion magazine, or I saw what was on television, and it was like a one type of person. And I think that fed an environment where a lot of young people had a really hard time with their bodies, with their own self-image. Do you think that the fashion industry has done a good job welcoming more types of people? I feel like it could do more. Well, I'll say it's, it's doing a better job. Better job. A good job. No, mm-hmm. it's just not. Right. Um, and it, it, I mean, I, I go back to uh, my time at, as uh, head of the fashion program at Parsons and, mm-hmm. and reflecting upon the way that fashion illustration is taught. Right. It's taught that you exaggerate the length of the figure. Oh. And, and that's what, what designers try to do with in selecting models for the runway because the clothes look better on people who are seven feet tall and weigh 20 pounds. Right. Or they look more magical. But More for, magical. For any of us watching this, mm-hmm. I mean, if we try to project ourselves into those clothes, mm-hmm. we're not going to look like that. Right. So when you see a size 18 model or a size 24 model on a yeah. runway looking fabulous, it's yeah. inspirational. You yeah. think, okay, I can achieve that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not advocating for people to to risk their health for the sake of, of um, being able to wear anything that they want. So, mm-hmm. oh, I continue to, to gain weight. But, but I will say fashion needs to be much more inclusive. Right, right. What's on your agenda? What are your hobbies? Like, what would you do if you weren't working in television? Is there something that you is on your list for something that you, like a huge project that you would tackle? You've done so much. Oh, well, you're kind. In some ways, I feel it would be hubris to, to even wish for something else mm-hmm. because I've been so lucky in so, so many, many ways. I have to say, I think the most important thing anyone can possess mm-hmm. is a curious mind because a curious mind will take you wherever you want to go and mm-hmm. you'll never be bored. I've never been bored a day in my life. I mean, in some ways, the pandemic really suited me because I'm basically a homebody and I have so much that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read and I write. Um, and of course, the whole online world, I mean, you can you can go to the Louvre. Right. The Mets half a mile away and I, I don't have to go there. I mean, I, I love going there, but, sure. but, I, but I, can, I can experience it vicariously through my computer. And it's just, it's thrilling. During the, the last administration, I became deeply interested in the fall of the Roman Empire, thinking that for the oh. great God, there, there we go. Okay. And I, I, I can't get enough of ancient Roman history. 
It's just fascinating. And it led me to an incredibly powerful book that I've now read twice Oh, because it's so full of content. It's Stacey Schiff's biography of Cleopatra. What? Fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. Please do. It's just an incredible read. Incredible. Really? And it takes you through the entire world as we knew it from the point of departure of Egypt at that time. It's fascinating. Wow. Okay. I'm going to take that recommendation. I like that. You won't be disappointed. Oh, oh, I'm titillated by this news. (laughs) I always love to hear about a good book. You know what I mean? When someone's got a really strong recommendation and having read it twice, that's that's about as strong a recommendation as you can get. You'll love it. You'll be just enraptured. A few years ago, you... You actually made an appearance in a Marvel comic book where you donned. Yeah, you wore the iconic Iron Man suit. Isn't it about time we had like an openly gay superhero movie? Yes, we should. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to, to, to reprise my role. Yes. <laughs> I was fighting crimes against fashion. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst crime against fashion? Well, Silly me, mm-hmm. the more I talk about it, the, the, the more pervasive it becomes. Well, it's now ubiquitous. Samantha, I ask you sincerely. Yes. When did the legging become a pant? I mean, it's I not so. a pant. I know. It's not a pant. It's an undergarment. You wear it under a tunic or with a pair of shorts. It's, it's mm-hmm. way too much information to wear it as a pant. There's a lot of information in that pant. Yeah. <laughs> and I've also thought... Maybe the best antidote to this mm-hmm. okay. is for men to start wearing leggings. Oh my god, that's such a great idea. Oh what do you think? <laughs> that would that would that would be a nail in the coffin. I think it would. <laughs> nobody would nobody would get behind that. No. Oh my god, I love it so much. <laughs> Let's go, gents. Get your tights on. We're gonna yeah, put exactly. an end to this trend. Yeah. I don't uh yeah, I don't I don't really wear leggings out in the world unless I mean I guess I do if I'm going to an exercise class. Oh well that's totally different. That's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's brief. It's it's just like it's like little brief brief interludes. <laughs> so on the topic of, of workout wear, I have to just tell you a funny anecdote. Mm-hmm. I work out with my trainer, Jason, mm-hmm. in Central Park. We used to go to a gym, but haven't since the pandemic. Yeah. I wear my working out with Jason clothes when I go to the park. Okay. And I've had somebody come up to me on the street and say, how dare you? Uh, sir, how dare you? How dare you? You tell people not to wear these things, and here you are wearing them. I said, I'm going to work out. <laughs> Please, I'm allowed. I have 10 minutes. Grace period. There's a grace period here. To and from the park. Maybe I could stop and get a coffee. But I'm scuttling back to my though. house. You're like, I don't do that. Do not do that. Um, <laughs> okay. You have talked about having a Socratic method of giving criticism, which I find so interesting. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, I pummel people with questions. Okay. Uh, I need to know where they're coming from. I need a context to understand what I'm looking at, mm-hmm. as opposed to just walking up and saying, oh, well, this, you have to do this, 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 and this. Right. I make it analogous to that person in the room who's dressed like a circus clown. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are. Oh, interesting. Oh, so you just you just pummel them with questions until they are looking into their inner soul. I do, but that really is true. For me, the greatest reward of that approach is when mm-hmm. they, when the designer sees what I'm seeing, and I don't have to open my mouth about it. Where they're looking at it so intently and they're so focused that they say, "Oh, it's about this." Yes, that's it. Okay. As opposed to my coming and saying, you need to, you need to do something about this. Well, what right. are you about? I don't see anything. But right. if I can get them to see it, it's the greatest reward. I think that's so interesting. I think that's great. I don't feel like, I don't think I use that approach enough in my life. I use it all the time. I just find it's very useful. Do people crumble? Do they cry? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I mean, the point of it is really to buoy them up right. um, and, and to have them feel as though you're a spiritual partner okay. in this. Okay. Um, 
but and, and not, I, I, I try not to do it in a way that challenges them as, as if to say, do you know what you're doing? It's like, mm-hmm. help me understand this better. I need to know, I need to know more about what you're doing and why. Right, right. Oh, I and love you know, it. I want, to, I want them to feel supported. So now tell me, okay, so Making the Cut is is season two is coming out soon. When does Making the Cut comes out on, relaunch? Season two comes out on um, July 16th. July 16th. It's perfect. There are eight episodes. We drop two every week. So beginning okay. Friday, July 16th, you'll see two and for the next three weeks. Tim Gunn. I love talking to you so much. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ask you one last question. Okay. And I don't feel like I don't feel like you're a person who chases trends. I don't. I really don't. But tell me what is the next big trend? Tell me what I should look out for other than big baggy brown pants, which I love and rock every day. <laughs> but Samantha, you really nailed me. I'm not the trend chaser and I tell Mm-mm. people don't chase them. You'll don't. look like a fashion victim. Right. And if I actually really knew what the next big trend was going to be, Mm -hmm. it would already be here. Okay. I understand. Okay. I get it. All of your listeners. No, Mm -hmm. don't chase them. It's, 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 um, it's too risky. If it has staying power, Mm -hmm. it'll still be there in a few years and you can buy it then, but it may just be a trend. Love yourself. Figure out out what fits. Exactly. Embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope you have a great launch of the next season of the show. I hope you have a wonderful summer. I hope you get some fresh air and space. Thank you, Samantha. And some great reading. We we will both be doing that. And you already have the great space and the great fresh air right behind you. I got the fresh air right behind me. I've got all the... I now have... This is not... This is neither here nor there, but I have so many crows in my backyard now. They have figured out that I'll put out peanuts for them. And now I have like, it is like the birds back there. Can I ask you this question about your mm-hmm. backyard? Yeah. Are the cicadas there? Do you have the 17 year old? We don't. We don't have that batch of, we don't have oh. that brood of cicadas. It's, um, not, it's not in, in the park either. My friends yeah. in Washington say that it's bad. Really? Okay. We are not experiencing it. We have a different brood for sure that we've cycled through. And then we only recently, we haven't had this house for too long, but a couple of years ago, we made note of cicada killer wasps. And we were like, oh my God. Okay. Well, you know what? Here's my little piece of information that you can take away from this conversation. They are the most, (laughs) the first time I saw them, in our backyard, I was terrified. They look like those killer, you know, those crazy wasps, murder hornets. Oh, they, they look, they're as large as murder hornets and they fly around at foot level, at ankle height. Oh. And they, they buzz around. They really don't bother human beings, but you would never know that to look at them. They look like they're going to kill you and your whole family and everything you oh. ever loved. No. That's, but they sound they fly oh. around and they pull nymph cicadas out of the ground, and the only thing they eat is cicada. They lay their eggs in cicadas. So I How think that fascinating. We've lost a lot of cicada life from those bastards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I don't like they're so terrible. They don't come near you. They don't care. They're just looking for a big juicy cicada. So I guess I'm okay with it. But boy, are they ever I wonder if they have also descended upon Washington is my question. If they haven't, they should. They'll have a feast. What a landscape. (laughs) This is a great reminder not to go to DC for a little while. No problem. (laughs) No problem. All right. Thank you so much. My goodness. I hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye bye. He was great. I feel personally attacked by his statement on leggings, but <laughs> I'll deal. I didn't know you it's wore okay. a lot of leggings. I didn't know you wore a lot of leggings. I haven't seen you in years well, at this point. I don't, so. wear them. <laughs> I don't wear them to work. I guess I agree that they're not a real pant, but I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> they're a great. Oh. They're a great podcast bottom. Sure. I am also wearing them right now, but I did just finish. Hey, you didn't even fess up to him. 
Well, I was exercising, so they were fine. They got I got a I got a pass. Yeah, for them. and I theoretically could exercise later. So. <laughs> You're always ready. <laughs> Our audience will be so angry to hear that news about leggings. He's very serious about it. He really, really means it, and I can't say that I disagree. No, and I don't want to disappoint him. Nope. It's going to be our first scandal. This is our scandal. How dare you? We love our leggings. Exactly. It is 100% true that my daughter is horrified by all of my pants. Like she, when she sees, Mm. when she sees me in skinny jeans, that's her Tim Gunn equivalent of (laughs) leggings. Like she just thinks they're leggings and she's like, why? I can see your whole butt and I can see the shape of your leg. She's such a prude. So I'm not sure that there's an immense difference between leggings and skinny jeans. So I take that point and it's all very complicated. I wear like a thick legging. You can't see much. <laughs> it's like a thick material. And I buy a new pair as soon as they start wearing out. We're like all I, buying. Yeah. yeah, we're all buying. They're fresh. They're always fresh. Our, our fashion choices. Well, Adam, are you wearing leggings right now? Adam's wearing leggings. He's like, I'm wearing man leggings. I'm wearing like normal jeans. Like, I guess they're they're fitted, but they're not like insanely okay. skinny. But yeah, That's just like a super skinny European <laughs> jean. Very He's low. Into the imagination. Skinny. Yeah. <laughs> so so skinny and very low. Yeah. Like just low it's on the alarming. <laughs> All right, oh well, my God. Okay. just like Tim Gunn, you're yes. very, you have real fashion opinions. I do. And there are a lot of age-old fashion debates that we didn't get to with him. So okay. we thought we'd let you weigh in on them. Great. All right, so okay. we're going to give you a couple fashion scenarios, and you can right. do your best Tim Gunn to let us know what you think. Okay. Yeah, you're the fashion police. So Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I like to police others and what they wear. So this is like one of the big all-time ones, Crocs, yay or nay? That's a nay. That's a full, <laughs> full-throated nay. I don't, it's not something that I understand. However, I will say that I did wear flip-flops in the city for a long time mm. before I learned that that was disgusting and I <laughs> needed to stop. Canadians wear a lot well, of just flip-flops. just like your feet get really dirty. Yeah. Like city streets are just... I was constantly washing my feet. So I am not, <laughs> yeah. I don't do that anymore. I learned my lesson. That was grimy. Those were some lost years. You do see a lot of little kids with them on, and I assume it's like practical for parents when they're just like, yeah, throw something on. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> kids just, yeah, no, crocs are, I don't understand why people, they're not even really all that comfortable. Yeah. I mean, okay. All right. What about pre distressed jeans? Would you buy them? Pre distressed like jeans. Big holes. Big holes. Um, Man made holes. <laughs> yes. I mean, no, not anymore. Mm. But I have, and I quite liked them. Mm-hmm. And then I maybe caught a glimpse of myself and I was like, you look really stupid. That looks <laughs> so dumb on you. Like, I just don't, I don't pull it off. I'm a little bit, I think I'm a little bit like Tim Gunn and maybe perhaps made in my grandmother's image, who was always like pretty decently tidy. So, uh, I just don't, it's not a look that I pull off, but I don't mind it on others. Like I don't look at other people's gene holes and go, oh my God, I actually don't even notice it. Ah, that's so open-minded. I do feel like Thank you. you will change when you become a grandparent. Cause I feel like that is the one article of clothing that all grandparents are like, what do you mean you really? paid more for holes? <laughs> Fix it. Yeah. You just patch them when you're, while the grandchild is asleep. They love yeah. it. Take those just to like, a tailor. Just go like through your old patch collection and you get like an old like Exxon patch for some reason. I had jeans with a patch that said Exxon when I was. As in the gas company? As in, yes. As in the company. Yes. You just, it was like cool to have. I remember being very scandalized. And I think that. I think that Marilyn, I think my stepmom listens to this podcast. And I do remember when she had a pair of jeans, and she might not remember this, but she had a pair of jeans that had patches were huge. Look, I'm a 70s child, okay? They were huge. And she had a pair of jeans with a patch on the ass that said stop. It was a stop sign. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so awful. 
Marilyn, we want a picture oh, just if you're stop. listening. <laughs> I don't think that she would even remember. Stop. Go no further. <laughs> <laughs> and we all were like, that's so cool. Oh, oh. spicy. Uh, on the topic of jeans, what is your mm-hmm. opinion of low-rise jeans? Oh, mm, mm. I don't know how to feel about... I don't know how to feel about extremes in jeans. As you <laughs> may have gleaned from our conversation, I don't know what fuck is happening in jeans right now. And all the women feel as I do. We're all afraid. Sometimes you see, sometimes you go on fashion websites and the jeans are just like, oh, they're just like acid wash and they come up to your boobs and like <laughs> their ankles tight with zippers. And you're like, I can't. I just can't wear jeans anymore. Like, do yeah. I go to slacks? Like, what's do I go to chinos? I don't like those <laughs> all that much. Like, how do I function? Yeah. So I'm not sure I'm into like extremes in either waistband direction. Like, I think I like a little, a little high rise, but nothing crazy. And I just think that we're going back to low. We're swinging back to low, low rise, which is. I'll handle it, but we'll handle it no one we have to, not because we I want have to. to. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. This is not technically clothing, but okay. can a man bun ever work? Can a man bun <laughs> ever work? Oh God! Oh my God! Oh, God. well, have you been? Uh, have you been living in the forest for six months? <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. I guess. Sure. What would I do if my son started to start a man? <laughs> I. Uh, is his hair long enough to do this that? Is, no, yeah. it's not. But it was getting pretty long during yeah, yeah. the pandemic. Like we weren't. I like, I like his hair a little longer. I don't know what I would do if he was like. Let me bun it or do <laughs> some princess <laughs> layers. Yeah, where's the hacky, where's the hacky sack? As soon as I you can, do that. I can't. I'm not gonna. If I police his hair, I, he's gonna rebel against me, mm. and then it'll just be like five buns. On his head. <laughs> and I, so I don't French like braid. that. I don't. I don't want a lot of buns, so I just leave his. I leave his hair be. It's not a. It's not a look I love. <laughs> I don't. I can't tell others how to wear their hair. So diplomatic. It's not, it's it's like, to me, it's like wearing, you know, when I was growing up, if their kids would get like a rat tail. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like a little, like a little, little tail in the back. Can't stand a rat tail. Just want to snip it right off. I just want to snip it right off. And that's how I feel about a a man bun. (laughs) I'm like, it's a bun, it's a dinner roll, or a rat tail. And I want (laughs) to cut them both off. Or you're a samurai or something. Yeah, are you a samurai? Okay, then. you can have it. <laughs> uh, okay, what about wearing uh, socks with sandals? Classic faux pas. Oh, God, what? You know, for a long time, I <laughs> think that the fashion world has been trying to sell us socks and sandals. Really? Every time you would go past, like, the big, beautiful windows of the big department stores, like, they were, it was, like, little, thin, like, high-heeled sandals and a little, thin sock. It was like socks and sandals, socks and sandals everywhere you look, but in a fashion way, not in a way, not in like tube socks and Birkenstocks. Like that is a mess. (laughs) That's a mess. Yeah, something's gone wrong in your life. Something, your Tevas and tube socks. Like I guess if you're walking around in a field of ticks, you should just Mm. do that. Like it's safety. Yeah. You know, we have ticks on our property. We all wear really long socks. But then it's kind of silly to wear them with sandals, but okay. It's not a thing I love. And I feel that it was being shoved down our throats a little bit for a while. That's and, good to uh, know. We should not do that. Hmm. Don't, don't do that. But I don't profess to be like, my outfits are bad. During the pandemic last summer, we went for a walk or I don't remember what we were doing, but we were kind of going out in the world a little bit with our masks and our safeties and whatever. And I was like, kids, I'm sick of dressing like this. I'm going to get all dressed up. And I came downstairs and they were like, I thought you said you were getting dressed up. And I was like, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And I had totally forgotten what that meant (laughs) in every possible way. It was the worst outfit. It was really bad. 
And they were like, look at yourself. Like, but really look at your, try to see your outfit through our eyes. <laughs> and I did. And they were 100% right. I forgot how to do it. All right. Well, final question. Okay. Simple yes or no answer will suffice. Okay. Is it ever okay to wear white to someone else's wedding? I don't know. Isn't it? I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but you might be braver than me. Things. It, it just, I don't think it's a great idea unless you want people at the wedding to hate you. Oh, yeah. like, you might be cool enough to do it and pull it off and be like, it's not really. It's off-white or like <laughs> it's, it's ivory, a little yeah. black and white. But are you cool enough to sustain the like the anger from the generations, <laughs> the older generations who hate you? Right. I think you're trying to undermine their granddaughter's wedding. I, I so went I to a know. wedding once where someone did that, and it was like all the talk of the wedding. Like people were just yes. like, "Can you believe Scandal. that she did that?" <laughs> yeah, the bride might not care, Scandal. but everyone else does. Yeah. Everyone else feels like it's their job to to protect the bride and let you know me, it's not okay. Let me tell you something. I went to a wedding once and holy shit. <laughs> I bought a dress at, I guess, the Canadian equivalent of DJ Maxx. And I was like, <laughs> I love this dress. This is great. It was like pale green. It was kind of like a bias cut satin or whatever. It was like spaghetti stripe. It was nice. It looked good. I was very happy. The bridesmaids had also made a trip to TJ Maxx and bought the exact same dress. And so I showed up dressed as a bridesmaid. And additionally, at that wedding, the bride didn't like me. She was not a fan. I was friends with her husband and whatever. Like I had anyway. So it seemed so on purpose. Everybody tried to group me into their bridesmaid photos. (laughs) Everybody thought I was bride. Everybody. No, the bride doesn't like like me. I don't belong here. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I'm not one of the maidens. I'm here with the. And then you're like, I'm here because of the groom. And they're like, you bitch. (laughs) You've ruined this day. (laughs) You bitch. And I'm like, all I did was shop at DJ Maxx. (laughs) But I, I bought something that was two bridesmaids looking. And I wore it. <laughs> too many Maxinistas. Too many Maxinistas. I thought I was, it never occurred to me in a million years. Plus, you're like not supposed to buy the bridesmaid dresses like the week of the wedding, <laughs> yeah. which is what I did. Anyways, all right. Okay, this was really good. I like occasionally talking about fashion. It's nice. We're going to keep doing it. It's nice. You have a lot okay. of opinions that need to be heard. <laughs> have a lot of opinions, and probably our audience doesn't like any of them. <laughs> but you know what? That's what podcasts are for. To alienate people. To alienate and anger people. All right. Well, I hope you like this podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please subscribe and rate and review full release in the Apple Podcast. And keep sending your questions to fullrelease at sambi.com. They might even be featured in a future episode. I will answer all your fashion questions. I know how to dress up now. I don't. I forgot. Tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS. And if you need even more Sambi, there's always additional full release on Stitcher Premium. We'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron Reinstein with research provided by Noreen Malik and IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. I am ready to talk to Tim Gunn. He is so great. This is exciting. I mean, it's like a blank spot before I see his face. Oh, there you are.